If you have your Bibles, guys, if you can, turn to Hebrews, the 13th chapter, and we're going to begin our reading at verse number one. Hebrews, the 13th chapter, we're going to begin our reading at verse number one. And you guys know that we just completed uh, this study of the book of Hebrews, and what I chose to do was to pull out some of the, I think, key nuggets from that this, this awesome book. This, then the book of Hebrews, let me, let me share something with you. Those who went to the study know that it can be a challenging book because it deals with some stuff that probably in today's society we don't necessarily even think about. We don't think about the order of Melchizedek. We don't think about the, the high priest in the sense of how it, it worked itself out in the earth realm under the old covenant. We do know we have a new high priest in Jesus Christ, our Lord, who sits on the right hand of the Father making intercessions for us. So we talked about a lot of doctrinal issues that, 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 are, that are really needful for us as believers to understand. Do you not realize that the average Christian doesn't even know what the Great Commission is? Some of y'all are like, what, what, are, you, what, what are you talking about, Pastor? Exactly. The Great Commission where Jesus, when he got ready to ascend back up into heaven, told us to go and preach the gospel and go and make disciples. I'm paraphrasing there. But when you say great commission, a lot of Christians don't even know what that means. So how are you going to fulfill a commandment when you don't even know what it means? And so uh, it's, it's important for us to have doctrinal foundation. And Hebrews does a good job of, of making sure that we get that. I'm saying now it's, it can be a difficult book, but now he's talked about a lot of doctrinal things up to this point. A lot of things that take us from the old and, 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 and marries us into the new covenant. Are y'all with me today? And so we talked about those things, but now in this 13th chapter, it almost seemed like he just goes into a, 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 a section where he just said, I'm going to tell you some stuff about how to live this stuff out. All the doctrine that you study should lead to living out in everyday life. I can know doctrine, but how does doctrine affect how I live? How does all this stuff that we're learning affect what you do on an everyday basis? How is it transforming your life? So he gets into this real heavy into this 13th chapter. So we will take a, take a few weeks to go through it because I want you to understand it. And I want you to grasp it because I'm tired of Christians coming to church and hearing stuff and don't do the stuff. Can I say it again? I'm just tired of it. As you know, sometimes you're, when I say tired, I mean, I know and understand my role as a pastor. So I don't let people frustrate me. But, 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 but it's, it's, it's very clear to me that everybody doesn't necessarily uh, understand what it means to be a disciple. A disciplined one. Britt, I don't know if you have this right quick, but before we go into that, I want to, I want to, if you can pop up a graph for me right quick. I want to, this is, you know, you know, one of the things that I did quite often when I was in banking, I was a, a credit analyst or a loan review analyst, and I, I had an analytical mindset because I had to analyze loan portfolios to see whether or not uh, it was getting ready to get into trouble. And so I love, I kind of love numbers. My, my wife says, you, you know, you're kind of geeky in that way. Uh, but I like numbers. I like evaluation. Now, this, you may not can't see it in full and totality, but, you know, in this last study that we did, uh, the, the blue bar on the right is the people who registered for a particular group in a class. We, the, the one to the immediate, all the way to the immediate left is the men's class. The next one is the women's class. The one in the middle is the gate, the young adult class. And the one next to that is the golden vessels class. And then the last one is the married couples class. Y'all got that? All right, so the, the bar on the right is the number of people who registered. This is talking about, this is comparing roster to average attendance. All right, now notice something here. There's something very uh, key that happens. And this, we, we see it happen. There's another graph. We'll, we may show that where it starts up here, and by the time the class ends, it ends up right here. Right at about 50% of the people attending. Now, again, there it is right there. Look at that. Now, how, would, how would y'all like for y'all stock that you just bought money into to do like that? You wouldn't want that, right? All right. So it starts out high and then it ends up down here. All right. And that's the way some of y'all are going to do this new year. You're going to start out good. And then by the time the end of the year happens, you're going to be way down here. It's because 
we don't know what, a lot of Christians haven't understood what it means to make a full commitment to Jesus. Are y'all tracking with me? We know religion, we know church, and we, we're used to coming to church, but a lot of Christians aren't used to living this stuff out. Now go back to the, to the first graph. Now watch this. On average, on average, about half the people attended uh, who registered. Some didn't even register. I'm your pastor. Can I talk to you on this first Sunday of the new year? Some didn't even register. Now, again, that's a whole other thing because we're going to get into this in this Hebrew 13 chapter because if you're going to believe the Bible, believe the Bible. If you're going to trust the Bible, trust the Bible. Don't say you do and you don't. Can I talk to you today? All right? So now watch this. If you'll notice here, the, the one that is uh, uh, the second from the right is, is my golden vessels class. All right? So on average, the men, we had about 54% of 10. Women, 55%. Gate, 26%. Golden vessels, 73% of my golden vessels stuck to it all the way through to the end. <clears throat> Is this still on? Married couples, about 46% of y'all carried on through uh, average attendance, about 46%. Now, why am I showing you this? I'm not showing this to, to, this to you to... To, to, to beat on you or to fuss at you. But what I'm trying to show you is that a lot of times people say they really want to do something, but all they're doing is talking loud and ain't doing nothing. All right? So, so, what I, so my challenge to you is, and your pastor, I'm telling you, as long as I'm pastoring this church, I'm going to keep exhorting each one of us to live out our faith. All right? So let's go, go to Hebrews right quick. Okay? All right. So we got to do better than that. All right? Some of y'all do the law just like you do your exercise program. And don't even, don't, hey, just, just notice something here, if you will. There's going to be, if it hadn't already been, a proliferation of gyms and workout programs that are advertising at the first of the year. You know why they do that? Because your mind is, you, 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 you're saying you want something at the beginning of the year, and then a month in, you already don't gave up. So God is saying, I don't want you to do God that way like you do those, those programs. They're going to come at you, but I want you, to, I want you to understand what it means to make a commitment to have transformation because if transformation doesn't take place, what we end up doing is the same stuff we've always done. Okay? So this ain't about a New Year's resolution. This ain't about, okay, I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. No, this is about letting Jesus have your full and complete will. All right? All right, so let's watch this. Here's what the writer says. Now, remember, we know the, he's writing to Hebrews Christians who, who had been facing persecution, who were, who were families that turned their backs on them and all kinds of persecution they were going through. And he talked to them about not giving up, not going back to the old, because what you have in the new is much better than what you left in the old. So now you get to the end of this, 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 this book that has some doctrinal truths that we must and we need to understand. And he gets to talk, to talk to him about living some of this stuff out. So watch this. He says this. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. The KJV says let brotherly love continue. All right? Let it continue. Next verse, and we'll stop here. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without even realizing it. Now, any, any outline here, you should, you should have it. Did y'all get an outline? You got okay. I'll watch it. All right. So the first and second century church was not built on revivals and mass crusades and gospel pitches. It was built on the backbone of personal relationships. Everybody say personal relationships. And and I think, guys, you know, what, what I've been saying and what I've been preaching over the last year or two is, is that that we as a body of believers, the church in particular, but in particular this church, because this is the only one I pastored. I know that the body of Christ as a whole is experiencing the same challenges that we're fa- facing. Our, our, par- our paradigm, a paradigm is a system of belief. Our paradigm, our way of believing about our Christian walk has to, to go undergo, for some of us, going to be a radical transformation. Because most of us grew up in the culture where it was about Sunday morning centric. Let's get to church. Let's have a good time at church and let's go home. And let's come back next week and have a good time at church. But what we fail to realize is that Jesus 
calls us to a deep life of transformation. And it's not just about coming to church on Sunday. It's about what are you doing every day? How are you living this stuff out? Can I get a witness? So it's, it's, it, the backbone of it was personal relationship. Now, uh, there's, there's a book entitled The Patient Ferment of the Early Church by author Alan uh, Creedon. And in his book, he explains how the early church used slow, methodical methods and waited on God to build his church in the Roman Empire, during the Roman Empire. The church grew around how they lived rather than by what they said. I think that bears repeating. The church grew around how they live rather than by what they said. Their Christian values overflowed into their business uh, practices, into their sexual morality, uh, into their acceptance of women and children, into their dependence on the Holy Spirit's power, uh, into their concern for the poor and, 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 and nonviolence and tolerance of those who were different than they were. Amen. All of which created a culture of patience. Y'all remember what Hebrews 10 and 36 says, you have need of patience that after that you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Remember we talked about for about three or four weeks about patience and how many of y'all's patience was tried while we were preaching on that? How many of y'all's patience is still being tried today? And I'm telling you, it's going to continue to be, but you have need of patience after that you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. See, culture impacts everything from businesses to communities. These early believers, he says, created a culture that enticed those around them to the goodness of God and the joy of a relationship with Christ. Listen, they were walking, talking billboards for the gospel message. Now, I want to ask you a question. If somebody examined your life, if someone followed you around, if if we did a reality TV show on you for two weeks, Nah, I can't give you two weeks because you can fake it for two weeks. Be all nice to your children and nice to your husband and nice to your wife. Honey, will you come in here right quick? As soon as the camera leaves, get your dog. Hello? We can fake it for two weeks. But if we followed you around for about six months, what would we see in your home? What will we see in your marriage? What will we see in the way you treat your children? What will we see in how you work on your jobs? Are y'all with me today? Understand something. During, during, he talks about during the, the, during the Roman Empire, uh, it says in, it, there was a competitive uh, religious marketplace during the Roman Empire. They, they were uh, a, a society that had many types of religions and many types of gods there. And he says that a new religion or a new religion could succeed only if it worked. People would join it only if it contributed something to their experience that made a difference in their lives, that rescued them from the things that trapped them and that brought them to greater wholeness. In turn, the example lived before them was a paradigm for them to follow once they crossed that threshold of faith and accepted Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. Discipleship during this period of time, he said, was non-negotiable as well. It was not, it was non-negotiable. He says, spontaneous baptisms were not necessarily the norm. Like the Ethiopian eunuch that got baptized, all right, that was not necessarily the norm. He says, before a person could follow through with baptism, a believer was assigned to watch over and disciple them for up to a year. And similar to, it's, it's similar to like an accountability partner, like, or how many of y'all ever been to AA, Alcoholics Anonymous? If you haven't, you, you probably know about that program, right? The older, it, it, during this period of time, it was similar to that. The older believer would examine the new convert and how he does business, how he leads his family, uh, how she leads her family, or how, how he loves his spouse, or how she loves her spouse, and how they walk with God. And when the time came for baptism, the sponsor would vouch for the person. All right, so in other words, it wasn't just coming in, okay, we're so glad you came, and, 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 and just come in, and let's get you to work. No, 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 no. There was a time period of examination, a time period of walking with them, instructing them, and talking with them, and teaching them how to live a new way of life. So my question to you today is, if, if someone were to walk with you for six months or for a year, what would they hear you talking about? What kind of conversations go on in your home? What kind of conversations go on when you are at work? What kind of conversations go on while I'm preaching? Any, any of y'all sitting beside talkers? 
If you sit in church beside a talker, know them say, we ain't talking today, baby. I got to hear this. There are some folks who talk through the whole service and, and disturb you through the whole service. This time I said, listen, I love you, but you got to be quiet. I need to listen to the pastor today, okay? Are y'all with me today? So, 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 so guys, what, what would happen is that older believer would examine them, and when the time came for baptism, that sponsor would have to vouch for that person. Their actions painted the picture of whether or not their lifestyle possessed the words that they profess. Now, look at the next point here. The emphasis in this last section of the book of Hebrews is on living by faith. Everybody say living by faith. I didn't say talk about faith. I didn't say pray about faith. I didn't say sing about faith, but its emphasis is on living by faith. Say it when we begin. Say living by faith. There are several references in the Holy Scripture that says the just shall what? Live by faith. It's lifestyle. It's how you're living. Amen? The writer presented uh, examples of faith in Hebrews chapter number 11. He gave us the, the we, call, we commonly refer to as the, the great hall of fame of faith. When we saw those ordinary people do extraordinary things because they stood in faith. And let me say this right quick. Listen, the ability to do extraordinary things has not left the earth realm. I don't know why we think that God can't still move on faith like he did with Daniel in the lion's den or like he did with David when he faced down Goliath. God is a God who specializes in the impossibilities in life. My question to you today is, is your faith big enough to believe God for the impossibilities? Yeah, they cute. Y'all, I saw y'all watching them walk in. They cute. Watch, watch, watch. Okay. Some of y'all so knows. I, I remember when we were in the old church, when the back door was open, people would turn around and do this. Do y'all remember that? Okay. My real looking said, why did you say that? Watch, watch, watch. Listen, listen this carefully. The, 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 he gave the examples of faith in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, okay? And then he gave, the, he gave encouragements to faith in Hebrews, the 12th chapter. And here in this 13th chapter, he gives us evidences of faith that should appear in our lives if we are really walking by faith and not by sight in Hebrews chapter 13. That's where we get to. He's, he, these are things that should be in our life if we're walking by faith and not by sight. Y'all with me? All right, so let's go. Go to, go to Mark 3 with me right quick. Mark 3, verse number 13. All of us have been called to a life of transformation. Amen? All of us have been called to a life of transformation. What does it mean to transform something? It means to what? It means to change. It means to to, to go through a process where, where we are experiencing growth in our relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that growth is exhibited in our everyday behavior, living by faith. Okay? Mark, the third chapter, verse number 13 says, read with me, says what? Afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him. And they did what? Let's read one more time. Afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him. And they came to him. Jesus called and they came. Look at verse number 14 with me right quick. Ready? Let's read. Then he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. They were to what? Accompany him and he would send them out to do what? To preach, verse 15, giving them authority to cast out demons. And then he goes on and lists uh, the 12 that he chose, okay? Now, again, you've heard me say this before. Jesus chose an eclectic group of individuals, probably people that maybe you and I wouldn't have chose to be his original apostles. Guys who didn't were not anything ordinary and extraordinary. They were common everyday people. And that's what I want each one of us to understand. Sometimes we think we gotta we gotta have so many degrees, we gotta have so many skill sets, and all God is looking for is a people who are willing to follow him totally and completely. He did not call the religious hierarchy. 
He didn't have the, he didn't call the guy who had the seminary degree. He called tax collectors, fishermen, carpenters, uh, zealots, political zealots. He called people who, who, who the, the regular religious establishment wouldn't even fool with. But that's who Jesus called. He called them to, to go with him. And so, so when we look at this thing here, when we choose to follow Jesus, some of the things that he does is he brings us from a place of being complacent to being a consumer of his word. Jesus called out to these people in other passages in the Bible. Jesus tells parables about searching for the one lost sheep, the, the lost corn, the lost son. He speaks the language of our culture and calls us from our lives of complacency to a life of fullness and richness in his kingdom. All right. So once we call from being complacent, living our own life, he calls us to be able to consume or receive his word. And then now, now again, understand something right quick. Salvation is a free gift, but it's not enough for us simply to consume the gospel. Are y'all listening to me today? It's not enough for us just to consume the gospel. Listen, a church of consumer Christians can become a very selfish church. What what I mean by consumer Christian? In other words, some of us treat church just like we treat Best Buy or Walmart or Kroger's. We or or, or, let's go White House Black Market or or Dillard's. We we go there because they have what we like. We don't go there because we called. We go there because they have what we like, right? How many of how many of y'all like? To shop at Brookshire's. Don't, don't raise your hand. How many of y'all like to, to shop at Kroger? How many of y'all like to shop at Walmart? How many of y'all like to go to Super One? How many of y'all are county market shoppers? Do you not realize that even those different stores understand that different people have different appetites? How many know you can go to Super One and find some stuff you can't find at Brookshire's and they're owned by the same company? How many of you, know you can go to Super One and buy stuff at a cheaper level than you can at the store that takes your groceries out to the car? Am I the only one who understands the difference? Those companies recognize that they are, they're, they are marketing to you to gr- bring you into the church, your personal preferences. Even when it comes to clothing lines, and, and you may go to certain different stores because you like the way their styles of clothing. There, there are different places that you can go to, but, but, but the church should never be so consumer-oriented that, that, that if you don't get what you like, you leave. The church that you belong to should be a calling on your life. Are y'all track with me? A church of consumer Christians can become a selfish church and we can become focused on just meeting our own desires. And so, so we go from complacent to consumer, from consumer to connected. From consumer to connected. See, relationships in community are key to maturing in Christ. Jesus knew this when he gathered his disciples together, God. They worked together. They ate together. They asked questions and they learned from Jesus. Everybody said together. That's why it's so critically important, guys, uh, that we change our model for how we do ministry. Because a lot of times, you know, we, we've, we've, we've had the model and you come, you get to sit in the class and you learn. We learned a lot of stuff over the years. But what God is saying now is, is church I, I, I gave y'all just a little hiccup there. I, I, I allowed something to happen in the earth realm that kept you from just coming to church. For a while, that we couldn't even assemble in the church because of, for fear of somebody dying. Right? I think there's a message in that. And what God is saying is that, that it, it can't be just about assembling in the building and just sitting down and studying together. It's about living this stuff out. Let me ask you a question. What was the last teaching that you heard or studied about and you made a conscious decision that I'm going to do my very best to apply this into my life this week? Oftentimes, we'll give y'all challenges for the week, and most of y'all forget it by the time you get to, your parking, to the parking lot. And you, you, you don't think anything else about it until I mention it again the, the following week. A couple of weeks ago, I told you to go and just bless somebody who you don't know. Some of y'all told me that you did that. I got uh, 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 one, one individual uh, text me and told me about her experience and how she had been praying about it. And she didn't get a release, but then 
uh, one day she was uh, at this particular establishment. She saw this guy uh, get, uh, uh, going into the trash can to try to find some food. And she said, the Holy Spirit said, sow that into this life. So she went and sold that seed into that person's life, and the person said, thank you. Now, that probably other people that I imagine she saw throughout the week that maybe looked like they needed that gift, but she was led of the Holy Spirit to bless that individual. Guys, let me tell you something. When we learn what the Word of God says, it's incumbent upon us to do our very best to apply what we learn. Because to whom much is given, guess what? Much is required. Now that you know, God's going to hold you accountable for it. Amen? Now that you know, husband, how to treat your wife, you can't treat her like dirt anymore because God, 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 they're watching you. He's watching you all the time, but he's really going to come down hard on you because now you know better. Wife, he, you know better now. Uh, child, you know better now because you've been taught. Amen? We got to go from being consumer to being connected. It, it, they, they work together. They, 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 they ask questions together, and, and they, were, they were doing life together. And so we got to get beyond just being a church where we come and sit we got to start serving together. Question. The challenge last year was one in-reach ministry and one outreach ministry. That challenge is still on the table. One in-reach, one outreach. Because it's easy to come and just learn this stuff. But what are we going to do to take it outside? What are we going to do to serve our church body? One in-reach. One outreach. Everybody say one inreach. One outreach. You know what inreach means? That means serving within the body of Christ when we got things going on here. What is outreach? That means serving out there in the community. Some of the partner agents that we serve. It, it don't have to be one. That, it, it can be somebody that you know that there's a need or a group that's, that's doing good God honoring Christian work. Plug yourself in. Get involved so that you can take EBC to wherever you are. You do know you represent EBC wherever you go, right? Oh, yeah, I, I got one yes. I, let me say it again. You do know that you represent EBC wherever you go? I, I, no, no, no. You do know that you represent EBC and the Lord wherever you go? You do know that at the basketball game, when you cussing the referee out, somebody that knows you belong to EBC. You do know when you're at the party, getting drunk, somebody knows you go to EPC. <laughs> you do understand when you're sitting around the table gossiping about other church members, those other church members that you're gossiping with, all y'all go to EPC. <laughs> do you not think that the Lord heareth you? Do you remember when Sarah laughed and tried to lie about it? God knows exactly where we are. I don't know why we of this opinion that we can hide from the Lord. If you go into the mountaintop, he's there. If you go in the valley, he's there. If you go in the club, he's there. He's everywhere. He's in you. So you can't get rid of him if you belong to him. But the question remains is, do you really belong to him? I think we got to really understand, and, 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 and the challenge that I want all of us to look at ourselves this year and say, do I, am I really committed to Jesus? Because how many of y'all know that not everyone that says to him, Lord, Lord, go into the kingdom, but he that doeth the will of his fathers in heaven. Amen? Amen? So from consumer to the king, it's very difficult to grow in our relationship with Christ without people walking through life with us without people celebrating wonderful moments in life with us without people grieving tragic losses with us that's why God says we need to be connected again I tell you before I, I'm one who had to grow in this because I was one who said Listen, I'm cool by myself but God said no you're not cool by yourself God says you you have to make yourself available to connect with people relationally because I want to use you to impact them and I want to use them to impact you Okay, so let me see the hands of all of those out there who have said at one point in time, I'm good by myself. I'm good, I'm good. Come on, come on, come on, come on, all, all of us folks who, who were deceived. You can't be good by yourself and obey God. 
Because how are you going to minister to somebody? How are you going to disciple somebody in you and their, your house and they're in their, their house? But we just get on the phone. No, no, no. We need some eyeball to eyeball contact. We need some serving together. I mean, we need some walking around together, doing life together so that I can, I can help you, you can help me. Can I get a witness? Being connected with others in a small group will only take us so far in our faith journey. We got to get connected in a small group, but it don't take us so far. That must be another step. We got to go from being connected to being committed. Everybody say from connected to being connect, committed. Because some of y'all connect with people. You do. You got your little friend groups and that type of thing. That's cool. But are you committed? The apostles use their gifts with authority. God has gifted each one of us uniquely as well with, with, with giftings. And, and as his followers, we can use those to serve our communities. In a spirit of humility, we should understand that we, that we really can make an impact for God's kingdom, that he has set a purpose for us in our lives, and that it's our charge to fulfill that purpose. Every last one of you in here have purpose. God wants to use you. He loves you. I don't care what anybody has told you. God loves you and wants to use you to advance his kingdom agenda. But we got to go from being connected to being committed. Everybody say from connected to being committed. Because we can serve, but serving is just a step toward something even bigger. And the last step we learned from Jesus' example is to go from being committed to being compelled. Go to Acts, the second chapter, from committed to being compelled. Have you ever felt compelled to do something? In other words, it was pushing your spirit. You, you couldn't even rest good because God was urging you and unctioning you to do a certain thing. So we got to go from being committed to being compelled. Acts chapter 2, verse number 41. Y'all there with me? Let's read together. It says what? Those who believe what people, come, come back up. Let me set the context for this. This is Acts, the second chapter, when the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was ushered into the earth realm. See, uh, on the old covenant, the Spirit of God came upon men and empowered them to do supernatural exploits. But under the new covenant, Jesus says, I want you to go and tarry and wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with what? Power from on high. And the Holy Spirit was ushered into the earth realm on the day of Pentecost, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. And then, and then that's when the Spirit of God began to abide on the inside of man. God said, I'm not going to leave. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going I'm I'm to send a comforter, somebody who's going to walk alongside you. The Greek word is paraclete, one who walks alongside to help. We all have the potential to be filled with God's Holy Spirit. So Peter on the day of Pentecost began to preach under the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost. And over 3,000 souls came to Christ. The people that were surrounded were, were, were kind of perplexed. They said, these men are drunk. Something wrong with them. They're talking in languages they don't understand, but they were filled with the Holy Ghost. So after Peter preached, he says, those who believe that what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Next verse. Let's read. Let's go. All the believers devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to back up. Let's read again. All the believers did what? Now watch this. Back up. What does it mean to devote yourself to something? I, I, what, Jeff, you're married to Patty for how many years? Forty-five and a half. Forty-five and a half years. Okay, you've been married to Patty 45 and a half years. Would you say that you've devoted yourself to her? I have most of the time. Okay. <laughs> most of the time. I appreciate your honesty, my brother. <laughs> Listen, I would, I would surmise that if you've been married to somebody for 45 years, you've been married to somebody like I have for 37 years, uh, if you've been married to somebody for 25 years, uh, you've been married to somebody for 24 years, I'm going to catch somebody that don't know what they're talking about right now. How long y'all been married? 23, okay. If, 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 you, if you've been married less, more than a year, I'm going to, uh, hey, let's, let's go five years. You will have had to, to devote yourself to that, that relationship because I would surmise if it's like my marriage, there are times when we just don't agree on stuff. There are times when the mind says, walk away. But the gospel says, stay in there and stick to the covenant relationship. 
The feeling says, I don't want it anymore. At a moment in time, but maybe you're mad or maybe you're upset about something or maybe somebody did something that really, really challenged you. But, but, but the Holy Ghost says, I, I, marriage is honorable law, the better than the fire. Stick with it. So it takes devotion to a church. It takes devotion to a relationship. How many of y'all sometimes want to throw your kids away? You, you, I mean, you thought about it. You're like, I'm just, you know, they, they, they don't belong to me. Am I the only one? Sometimes your kids, sometimes your kids, they can drive you. I need two witnesses out there to say, Pastor, I know exactly what you're talking about. But at the same time, I'm still devoted to my kids because they belong, they're my blood. They're my seed. And we're not going to throw them away. We're not going to, we also are not going to ordain everything that they say they want to do if it's not right according to God's will. But we, to devote means that you don't tuck tail and run the moment some difficult situation arises. Now watch this, watch this. It says all the believers, they were filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The problem that I perceive in the church today is too many of us are walking this Christian life in a carnal state and we're not being filled with the Holy Ghost. We need some people in here filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah, I said the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit to guide, to lead us. And the whole, being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't happen until you yield your will to his will. Until you're willing to get off the throne and stop trying to do life your way and start doing it God's way. All of us are unique. All of us have different personality events. All of us have different likes and that type of thing. But the question remains is, am I willing to give up my will for his will? There have been things God has called me to do. And I've, I've done those things. But initially, I wasn't happy. I wasn't excited about doing those things. But what I found is when I'm obedient and do what God tells me to do, Man, the joy of the Lord just permeates my life once I'm in the middle of doing it. Right? All the believers devoted themselves, what? To the apostles' teaching. Now, again, how many of y'all who are members of EBC are going to devote yourself to the the work of the ministry at this church? No, 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 listen. I'm not talking about just coming up, showing up on Sunday morning. I'm talking about devote yourself. From committed to compare, watch this. All the believers devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Next verse, let's read. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Text says this, next verse. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Watch this. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Watch this. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and with generosity. Verse number 47 says this. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Listen, guys. These disciples, these apostles were compelled by the vision given to them and by their own experiences to tell others about the Messiah. We too are compelled to tell our friends and our neighbors that Jesus has made a difference in our lives. Matthew 28, 18 and 19. Go check it out when you get home. It's our responsibility to be ambassadors of Jesus in every sphere of of our influence. Our identities as believers in him who happen to have, you know, we, you know our identity is, is, is as believers in him, and we happen to be a believer who has a job as a uh, computer technician, as a custodian, as a, as a cook, as a doctor, as a nurse, as a lawyer, whatever you do, uh, a banker. We take, 
we are believers who are operating in those spaces. And I, I personally believe that those, there are called occupations that we've been called to so that we can supplant ourselves in those spaces and have impact in the spaces that God has called us to be. If you are a teacher, you're a principal, God has called you to teach to be a principal to impact those in that space, co-workers and students alike. If, if you are a, 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 if you are a, a, a nurse, God has called you to, to impact people in that space. Co-workers and patients alike. Whatever you do in life, listen, God uses you in that space to be an ambassador for Christ. Because here's the beauty of it, guys. There are going to be people who you're going to meet in those spaces who you would otherwise not even come in contact with had you not been working in that space. So God strategically places you into the body of Christ, then sends you out into these various places to represent him in the space that you're in. Now, the question becomes, how good of a representative are you in those spaces? Are you living this faith out? See, it's our responsibility to be ambassadors for Christ. Now, 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 as, as people are attracted to a relationship with Jesus because of the way we live, families begin to change. Again, we're talking about living by faith. Now, let's get to this next part right quick. So there are four evidences of faith. He gives four evidences of faith. And again, I'm going to just talk a little bit about this first one because I know my time is running. But guys, the just shall live by faith. There are times when all of us are challenged in our spiritual walk to be obedient to what God has told us to do. Living by faith should be who we are, not something that we have to conjure up. Living by faith is what we've been called to do. God saved us through faith, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. No man can brag about how good he is. No woman can brag about how good she is, and that, that, that I do all this good stuff, and so I'm all right with God. No, we'll save, for by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves is the gift of God, not of works that any man should boast. But we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We don't work to get saved. We work because we're saved. Are y'all with me today? Let's get back to Hebrews 13 chapter one right quick. Can we move? For those of y'all who want, I got about 10 minutes and 47, 46, 45 seconds. So the first thing is we talk about evidences of faith is when we find ourselves enjoying spiritual fellowship. Now, have you ever found yourself in a position where you didn't enjoy spiritual fellowship? I'm going to be honest. And what I would tell you is that there are going to be times in your life where, where because of maybe what we're going through, because of what we, what we are, um, we could find ourselves in this position. But now, here, here's what I would tell you. When you're growing in your faith, when you're actually dialed into God, what others are doing sort of becomes a non-issue with you who are focused on God. The problem I perceive that many Christians have today is, is we spend too much time letting others influence our mood, our mindset, and even our level of commitment. Think about this a second. If you pray that the Holy Spirit, you said, I was led of the Holy Spirit to be a part of this church or this church, whatever church you belong, because we got people listening to us online. If you, if you said that the Holy Spirit led you to be a part of a place, why would you let somebody who you say don't like you move you from the place that God told you to be? How much sense does that make? If I'm following Jesus. Well, I just can't go there because I don't like Donnell. He looked at me crazy. So you're going to not do what Jesus told you to do because maybe Donald did look at you crazy. Maybe he had beef with you. Now, I would find it hard to believe because this, this, is, this is a gentle soul. We don't bother nobody. He tried to treat everybody the same. But every time he turned his back, what do they do? Scandalize his name. You got to be from the old school to remember that. That's, that's all song that we sing. I don't bother nobody. I try to treat everybody the same. But every time I turn my back, 
Scandalize your name. Now, now listen. <laughs> there we go, Jeff. Jeff and I got this running joke. He said, he said Pastor, I said, Jeff, I'll tell you what, Jeff. I said, you know what, we're going to teach each other. He says, I said, I said, maybe I could use some more uh, broad basics. I said, no, don't use, I want to learn those, those little eclectic things, that those, those, those cultural things, those cultural nuances. So don't stop using that. So, so Jeff, so if, when you find out somebody scandalizing your name, you know why, okay? <laughs> now, listen, I, I, I'm going, listen, I've been passionate 33 years, and I, I, I promise you there are going to be some times when you want to scandalize my name. And some of y'all have. But that's cool. Because if I'm doing what God's word told me to do, there are going to be some times when I'm going to get under your crawl because I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get to the heart of your issue. I'm trying to get to the heart of every, you know, as a pastor, I'm trying to unearth that stuff that you don't even know is there. But the Holy Ghost knows, and the Holy Spirit gives discernment. The spirit of discernment, if you're following God, you're praying, and, you, and you're filled with the Holy Ghost, he'll give you discernment about the heart of men and women. So there's some stuff that, that you don't even know there until you're challenging the word to do it. And here's how you know it's there, because it gets exposed when the word says do it, and you say, mm-hmm. And then we try to, I don't know about y'all, but I try to justify my not doing what God told me to do. I'll make an excuse for not doing what God told me to do. And what that's doing is, it's showing me what's really in my heart. I wouldn't have known it was there, because I thought I was all right until the Holy Spirit told me to do that in the word. And then when it came up, then now my resistance to God's word showed me that there was something in my heart that I had to deal with. Now, y'all think about it for a second. Because some of y'all looking at me right now, and there's some things in your heart that you hadn't even acknowledged. You'll defend it to the death, and everybody can see it but you. Everybody's spiritually discerning. Okay? Y'all with me? He says, keep on Loving each other as what? So, so the first thing under this is, is brotherly love in verse, in verse 1. Go, go, if you can, Britt, go to the KJV on this uh, just, 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 for, just for this moment, okay? If you can. And if not, we can leave it right there. We can leave it right there. He says, let, there's an understood you there, right? You let brotherly love what continue. Now, again, remember, they were, they were challenged in their faith because they, they had left Judaism and now they were operating Christianity. Family had turned their backs on them. Friends had left them. And now, and now uh, they're being challenged now to let brotherly love continue. Let it continue. The basis for this fellowship, the basis for our fellowship is brotherly love. Remember these, again, they had been rejected by their families and friends. But the, listen to this carefully. The deepest kind of fellowship Hear me carefully. The deepest kind of fellowship is not based on race or family relationship. It's based on the spiritual life that we have in Christ. I'm going to repeat that again. The deepest kind of fellowship is not based on race or family relationship. It's based on the spiritual life that we have in Christ. A church fellowship based on anything other than love for Christ and for one another will not last. Go to Romans 12 with me right here. Romans 12. Let's find verse 9 and 10. Some of y'all are basing your, your fellowship on how somebody looks on the outside. That's why some churches, if it starts to get looking a little bit different, people start to scatter. People start to talk. I'll tell you before, one thing I, I do know is what the word of God teaches about the whole concept of the gospel message. The gospel was not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles also. Galatians tells us, I think it's Galatians, maybe Ephesians, it tells us out of two people groups, he made one. The Apostle Paul, his biggest, his biggest headache and heartache and mission, his biggest persecution came from his own people because he was an apostle to some other ethnic groups. He was an apostle to the Gentiles and the Jews didn't like it. They listened to him as long as he was telling his testimony, his story, until he said, he told me to go to the Gentiles. They, they got indignant. See, a lot of times, 
culturally speaking, when we read the Bible, even, even some commentators, they, they kind of gloss over that, the, the, the hatred that was existed between Jews and Gentiles. It was racism to the nth degree. And they just say, well, Jews and Gentiles don't get along. But if you are not a Jew, biblically speaking, you are a Gentile. And a Gentile is any other ethnic group. The Jewish ethnic group and every other ethnic group came together into one body. The Jewish ethnic group was the, the people that God chose to birth the Savior in the earth ran for. But he was not just exclusive for them. He was for everybody. Revelation says all men of every tongue, tribe, and nation is going to be around the throne worshiping God. So how in the... How in the world you think you're going to go to heaven and be in those folks, but you can't stand to be around those folks here? I need you to think about that. Because Jesus says, my will is done in heaven. I want to be done here on earth. We know that Revelation, go read it. It says it, men of every tongue, tribe, and nation. But you can't stand to be around them here. So what that's telling you is there's something in your heart that's got to be dealt with. Are y'all listening to me? You think you're okay, but you're not. And the only way it's being exposed is because you've been confronted with it. I can say all day long, I, oh, I just love Sherry. I love her unconditionally. Um, you know, and, and, and nothing going to separate me and Sherry. But then Sherry do something I don't like. And now I don't want to see her coming. And now I don't answer a phone call anymore. See, I can say that all day long. Man, I love my brother here. The Coleman's, Sundale, all y'all. I love y'all. And whatever I can do to help you, let me know. Today, let me know. See, y'all just be talking this stuff. I said all day long, whatever you need, I got you. Until he called and asked me for something he need. I'm like, well, you know, dog, I ain't. See, most of y'all don't really mean it when you say, how you doing? Because when they start telling you how they doing, you're like, dog. I didn't ask for all that. Well, you just lied. My point is, let's be real. And what I'm telling you is to have this kind of love, there's actually a Hebrew word, it's spelled H-A-H-A-B, Habab. And it's, 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 it's his brotherly love, it's, it's, it's Habab. And it's actually the type of love that's, that's, that's used in other contexts of scripture that describe the love that the father has for his son. And it also describes... That, that word, same word is used to describe the father's love for humanity. What I'm telling you is that God is trying to reach us at our deepest level. And as your pastor, I want us to go deeper in the things of God. I don't want you to just come here and sit and be, and be okay with just sitting and, and not being engaged and involved. God wants to use you. Every last one of you in here have giftings that the Lord wants to use. But you've allowed your heart to, 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 to be metastasized. Is that the right word, all my medical people? You, you, you've allowed your heart to be... How many of y'all have had a scar that grew over and had a scab? You know, did it, it, y'all know what I'm talking about. Your heart can get hardened to the things of God so much so that you can hear a word and it just bounces right off. Kind of like they used to sell that stuff, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's some kind of protective for the, for the color of the wax in your car. And you can put it on there and, and it just, when it rains, it just beads up. Y- y'all follow me? And some of our hearts have become that way. It's like when God's word is coming, it just kind of bubbles up on the surface. It never gets down into the core of it. And see, what I'm telling you is, is that when, when, whenever you're challenged with the scripture and then you reject what the scripture says, that's telling you something about your heart. It's telling me something about my heart when God says do a thing, but I reject doing a thing because of how I feel about a thing. I've told you before, our motto here is be obedient and let your feelings catch up to your obedience. Right? Don't just pretend to love others. Watch this. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Next verse. Watch this. Watch this. 
Next verse. It says, uh, love each other with what? Genuine affection and take delight in what? Honoring each other. I'm just giving you a word. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. He's talking to the body of Christ here, guys. Go up, if you will, to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 and verses 9 through 12. And I'm, we, we're going to stop on this one. Oh, I got one more after that one. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 through 12. Brotherly love. So the first thing that he tells them, let brotherly love continue. Or if it hadn't been operating your life, start it. Will you really be there for people when they're going through? Or are you just saying that? Will you really love people with that ahab or that agape love? Or are you just saying that? Are you really willing to forgive? Or are you just saying that? Watch the text. Paul writing to the saints that doesn't like it. But we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other. For God himself has taught you to love one another. Next verse says what? Indeed, you already show your love for all the believers throughout Macedonia. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more. Pass, I've been doing it. Well, do some more of it. In 2023, let your love meter go off the charts. Do it some more. Next verse, 11 says, make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business, working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. Verse 12 says what? Then people who are not believers, here we go, here we go, then People who are not believing. Do you wonder why a lot of believers don't respect the church? Because they're looking at how we live. Amen. Amen. I told you, this, is about, this, this, this section is about living by faith. Amen. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live. And you will not need to depend on others. One last one. First Peter 1 and 22. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 22. Did I ever give y'all the topic? Show me the evidence. It's on the screen, right? See, when I was, when I was, when I was putting this together, I said, Why do, what, what do you want to, God, what do we name this? And, 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 you know, the thing that came to my mind, how many of y'all remember uh, the movie, uh, Jerry Maguire? Was that Jerry Maguire? Yeah. When, when the football player was, you know, the agent was talking or whatever, and then and, 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 and they finally the player said, show me the money. You can talk all that noise, but show me the cash. You're the most important player on this team. And usually it's the quarterback or receiver uh, or some, some guy of that nature. But he says, show me the money. Show me the evidence. You say you love Jesus. Show me the evidence. You say you committed and devoted to this church. Show me the evidence. Starting a class. And not finish it, you drop out two classes in, ain't showing evidence of you being devoted to the discipleship training of this church. I'm sorry. That's not evidence. Show God the evidence that I'm devoted to being developed. I'm devoted to doing life together with my fellow church members. Show the evidence. He says this, watch this. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love. Watch this. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Watch this. Show sincere love to each other as what? As what? So all of us should have brotherly love as brothers and sisters. That should be exuding throughout this congregation. All right. So now you must show. Everybody say show and tell. It's the game I play when I want to tell the Lord that I love him. It's showing. He says, so now you must show, show, not talk about it, not pray about it, not sing, I love the Lord. Not just talk about, I love my brother, but show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. So he starts this chapter out. Hebrews 13 saying, let brotherly love continue. 
Paul told us, that's like a Christian, you've done this, but do it some more. Do it at a deeper level. So in 2023, as your pastor, I'm challenging all of us, including myself. This ain't just to you. I'm preaching to me. When I'm preaching to me, I'm like, God is saying, yeah, yeah, you too, Darl Adams. So don't think that, that, that I'm just shouting out to you. God is speaking to me as well as this whole church body. We have to do ministry differently. And that calls for a paradigm shift. Our thinking and our way of thinking about ministry has to get out of our cultural nuances of the church in America. And let's get back to Jesus's way of doing life. Jesus walked with those boys. He taught with them. He served with them. He taught them. He forgave them. He, he, he sent them on mission. We got to begin to do all those things so that we can grow in our faith. Everybody says, show me the evidence. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you and praise you for this privilege and this honor.